You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 60. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. This episode is brought to you by Stride Health, an online platform built to help U.S.-based independent creatives navigate the healthcare signup process. With Stride, you'll get access to amazing tools and a team of experts who can help you find the right plan to fit your needs. Head on over to stridehealth.com CYOP to find your perfect health plan for 2016. Today's show brings me to the Philadelphia floral design studio of Sullivan Owen. Just like last week's interviewee, Sullivan's work was recommended to me by Grace Bonney and Julia Tertian from episode 57, and I am so glad I was able to connect with her while I was in town. There's no doubt that Sullivan is incredibly talented in the realm of floral design, but her business sense is what truly reeled me in as we were chatting. In the interview, we cover her start in retail design and visual merchandising and how planning her own wedding kind of turned her on to floral design. We also talk at length about the importance of innovation and creative work, the dangerous temptation of creating what already exists, and the benefits of looking outside of your industry for inspiration. We talked about so many things that I think anyone in any industry can relate to, and I'm so excited to hear what you all think about it. Let's go to the show. Hi, Sullivan. Hi, Jen. Thank you for letting me come to your amazing studio here in Philadelphia. I really appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome in Philly. Your floral designs are stunning. Um, I've checked them out online, and now I'm in the studio. I'm able to see the work happening. But can you kind of start out by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I am a floral designer, and I have a floral design studio here in Philadelphia. Um, My background is in uh, retail, fashion retail. I used to work in visual merchandising and store fixture design for a couple different companies. I did that right out of college. I actually dropped out of college to go work for a company, which was a wonderful education in business and understanding how customers think and um, how you can make them feel walking into a space. Uh, And it actually plays a big role in why I think we're successful in working in weddings in particular. Um, I did that. I had what most people would call like a dream job and a very um, fun career uh, working for all kinds of different companies, primarily in fashion and athletic apparel. And uh, I did that. And during um, my last position, I I got engaged and I had not been one of those people that had planned their wedding since childhood. So I got kind of a crash course in entertaining for a hundred people and making it feel personal. And uh, I I found I was a little bit disillusioned with some of the options available to us. Uh, It didn't feel very much uh, like we could make it feel like us. And Mm -hmm. so um, I would meet with florists in particular, and it was a lot of money for what seemed like the same old, same old. So... Uh, I I took a a different look at the industry as a whole, and um, coincidentally, my position uh, with the last company I worked for was ending right around when my wedding happened. So after my wedding, I found myself with a few months to kind of figure out if I was going to pursue another visual merchandising job 
or if I was interested in exploring something else. And so I decided to take a class in floral design because I ended up making all the flowers for my own wedding. Wow. So what I ultimately did for our own wedding was make my own centerpieces and bridal bouquet and probably the worst boutonnieres I've ever made in my life because I had no (laughs) idea what I was doing. But um, I really liked it, and uh, we had a great time at our wedding, and our family commented on how personal it felt, so I I looked for a place to take a class in floral design, and this is about seven years ago, maybe eight years ago, and at the time, there were not many places to take floral design classes, and I found a little school in New York called Flower School, which is now located in Chelsea, and I talked to the director of the school, a woman named Eileen, and she talked to me for an hour, and I went up and I met her, and I enrolled, and I started taking classes, and uh, then that led to apprenticeships and internships and being an unpaid floor sleeper and bucket washer for around (laughs) a year, primarily in Manhattan for different studios that I all connected with through the school, and then I was living in Philadelphia, and I was newly married, and it seemed that uh, things were shifting. This was, like, right before Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, everything kind of took hold the way that it has, and it seemed like the time was right to try something, so I found a little studio in Philadelphia and sort of hung out my shingle, and uh, I was on to something. I got... um, I got my first clients just kind of through some word of mouth, and I was named best florist in Philadelphia six months after opening, which was incredible. incredible. Um, And my relationship with the local media remains really critical to um, kind of spreading the word about what we do and and staying out there. Um, So that relationship has been, and that, I mean, that changed everything. Wow. So Six months. Six months. That's yeah, incredible. we opened in February. It came out in August. Wow. And it was a total shock. Yeah. So. That must have felt really good, though. It was amazing. I mean, it is... So much of it is is luck and timing, and I would... Uh, you, you can't count on stuff like that right. happening. So, um, but at the heart of it, it came back to we just... I had this idea of what I wanted the work to be like and how I wanted customers to feel when they interacted with our flowers or received them for the first time or had us work on a party or a wedding and um that continues to be the the key to the to the success of the studio yeah absolutely so I kind of want to talk about that just a little bit because so often in creative industries it can be hectic and I know the wedding industry can be pretty hectic as well at least me personally it feels like I need to kind of come back to like okay why the why why am I doing this what's my mission whether it's super defined or not it's it's kind of like that gut check so that you can stay true to what you're doing but also make sure you're you know doing what your clients need you to do as well so I'm curious what your philosophy is I really feel like you can't go wrong in the business if you are doing everything in your power to just knock the customers like socks off and I had a really hard time quantifying it and explaining it to my staff when we first started because it's all in my head. Like, what did I want? Well, when you answer the phone, I want it to be like this. Or when we write the card, it needs to be like this. And they were all just little bits and pieces based on, you know, a life of experience ordering flowers. I used to send flowers all the time to people. It was one of my favorite things. So what we really strive for 
to make sure that we're doing, we're on the right track, is making it the absolute best possible experience for customers with flowers. So um, that could be everything from how we get to know them as we're, because we do do deliveries um, Monday through Friday in addition to working on weddings. So it could be everything from spending 20 minutes talking to a woman about her granddaughter who's graduating from college mm-hmm. and she's, we're doing flowers for her graduation bouquet to, um, you know, talking to a mother of the bride who's so excited that her daughter got engaged. And uh, we want them to walk away from that experience feeling, like, understood and feeling that that we're the people that are going to help them translate all these, the really feelings that they're trying to communicate mm-hmm. and how can we turn that into floral designs and an, an, an event atmosphere or a, convey that sentiment through a simple bouquet that sure. we deliver for them. So I feel like we're most successful when we're getting that positive affirmation from the clients. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that we kind of check in. Like, okay. Are we hearing that from clients? Okay. That's, it's good to hear that um, because so often I think it's really easy to just look at maybe the bottom line or the number of customers coming through the door in air quotes, you know, whatever that looks like for sure. you um, is to you know, look at metrics, but hearing from your customers, it's huge and listening to them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an experience like getting married can be, you know, it's like make it or break it based on the relationships you have with the people you're working on. Mm -hmm. If you work with people who are super hectic and super crazy and disorganized, then you're going to feel that way. So having experienced a lot of that DIY and, and kind of insanity around my own wedding, we really like strive for the opposite of that. Like sure. We're very centered and calm. Even if we might be internally freaking out on the inside, it's always, you know, making sure everybody's really happy and that um, we're doing our best to use those cues that they give us either through conversation or through imagery or through ideas or colors or a favorite flower and something like that and really trying to channel that into the best work possible for them. Uh, because you do have that like retail background. I worked in retail through college and so I know that that's helped me in the way I approach things. So how has that helped shape some of your business philosophies, if you will? So, well, more so on um, the wedding side, I would say my experience with um, communicating seasonal stories or um, brand messages Mm -hmm. or things like that, which were handed down either from like, you know, high up on corporate direction or through a dominant color for the season. I think that that experience of working in stores and helping to communicate that and seeing that through the things that you can quantify sales, are they successful, are they not successful? really kind of shaped the way that I ask questions and the way that I converse with my clients. And I'm looking for some of those ideas that um, I always ask a question that I think is great, which is which venues didn't you decide to book? Like, because I think it's really like everyone can tell you, oh, I walked in and I saw this ballroom and it was all the lights were, you know, that's why I wanted to get married there. But I'm really interested in why they looked at two other places and eliminated them because that tells you a lot about the feeling that they didn't get from that walkthrough or whatever it was. 
And then I, I also just think for, um, because my, the early part of my career was spent folding jeans and working in a fitting room, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm pretty good on the fly with chatting with people. I, I like taking orders on the phone. I don't take them as much because sometimes if people hear that it's me on the phone, then they start talking about other things. Mm-hmm. And we <laughs> yeah. can't, can't stay on the phone for 30 minutes right. talking about the magic of flowers. Right. But... Um, you know, I really enjoy talking to people about what we do and why they're interested in what we do. So, um, and and that comes from, you know, probably a hundred years of people either flinging clothes on the floor in fitting rooms or someone screaming at you at a cash register because they washed a shirt and it fell apart or right. something like that. Yes. So, um, you know, it's a service business just like any other. And so that's always valuable experience. Huge training. Yeah, I always say that people should probably work retail and maybe at a restaurant at least once in their life. I did not ever end up with any restaurant experience. But retail too is... it's more hardcore than people think. <laughs> There's a lot of um, a lot of stuff that life lessons that can be learned. Exactly. So, um, okay. So, can you kind of walk us through your process with clients? Um, so, let's say I walked into your studio and needed floral designs, which events freak me out. So that would be overwhelming for me. Uh, I'm not very good at events, <laughs> so I would need your calming calming effect. So, where where would you start? Uh, the, the process is really very much like a longer conversation, like when we're taking an order for somebody. Um, so knowing uh, that you know yourself well enough to know that you're not into events or it, we would uh, you would probably communicate that in the initial part of the conversation. And so there's elements of that that would allow us to tailor the process of the conversation, like not giving you too many choices, but sort of listening, really listening, and then editing the choices that we give you to make it an easier decision for you so you don't feel like you have to obsess over it or second-guess it or... um, But it really is very much just like you and I are chatting now. Um, I currently do all our event consultations in person. Um whenever possible, or we can Skype or uh, talk on the phone. But, uh, you know, I ask a lot of questions that don't really sound related to the logistics of the wedding. Like, I will ask how many bridesmaids there are, but I'm more interested in where did you get engaged or, you know, what, what, oh, you just bought a house. Tell me what neighborhood you're in. Like, those are the things that help me sort of figure out who a couple is or who they're <laughs> yeah. planning as they're planning their life together. And uh, it allows us to take the skills that we have, which are constructing all types of floral designs and really pick up on some of those keywords that they probably don't know that they're saying mm-hmm. and turn that into designs for them. Yeah. So it should hopefully be a fun conversation. <laughs> Right. I know. And I we never it. want it to yeah. be like a stressful thing because yeah. ultimately, especially something like a wedding, it's supposed to be so much fun. And, um, you know, there is a, an element of pressure to it that has evolved as more and more weddings are seen by millions of people on the internet. But um, we really try to wade through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very confident in our design abilities to deliver something that anyone would be proud to show off online, but that's never the goal. Right. The goal is this is your future spouse. This is your life together. This is an awesome occasion for your families to always remember. Let's figure out what's important to you guys. Right. Yeah. No, that's, it's good to hear. Cause yeah, weddings alone can just be 
a little bit crazy. It brings yes. out the, the good and the bad sometimes. It so. brings out an element, I mean, for everybody, mm-hmm. even the most laid back families mm-hmm. where, you know, you've never been, as I mean, even in my own family, I never felt any pressure to get married, but suddenly I was engaged and suddenly it was like, what do you mean you're not doing this or you're not doing right. that? Right, right. I was like, where did this come from? There's this, like, set mold, if you will, of, like, what weddings are supposed to look like. And, again, in air quotes. Right. (laughs) And, well, what's interesting about that is that the whole shift of vendors and professionals that are working in weddings came in to shift that. But we've turned around and, in a lot of ways, boxed it right back into Mm. the new unexpected norm like and and so I think that that comes with its own trappings like not everyone is meant to craft every element of their wedding but sometimes Pinterest makes you feel that you should or can (laughs) or that and that you can that's that's really interesting because I am not a floral designer by any stretch of the imagination uh but you're right sometimes it it appears as though I could do (laughs) that you know do everything or that you should because mm-hmm. you're missing out on this valuable experience of crafting for your own wedding but as somebody right. who bled on her wedding dress because of badly oh. constructed boutonnieres now I make great boutonnieres yeah. but I always remember that I cut my finger making the last one oh, no. <laughs> it's not always uh the best way to spend the day before your wedding right 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 so. yeah no that's good advice <laughs> brides to be who are listening I know running a business can be hard work. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in your business over the years? I mean, there's, there's daily small challenges and then there's bigger picture challenges. But I would say in, in the beginning, um, it's like a tremendous test of self-confidence and, and it, in living online and broadcasting everything you do online, it brings out all the insecurities and all the, the things that especially creative people tend to have in greater quantity than your your average person. Um, But I think, you know, currently I feel like the challenge is um, continuing to grow creatively while still delivering, you know, the the items and the the kind of details that clients sort of expect now. Um, I also think that... Um, one of the challenges is particularly brought upon by social media, visual social media like Pinterest and, and Instagram, is that it's sort of the message that you could do this too, but by broadcasting that, I don't know that we're setting our industry up for a ton of respect. Mm-hmm. When, um, you know, I love that I can go take workshops and learn to do everything out there if I'm interested. But I think that there is, um, there's a lot that goes into being a successful business that mm-hmm. doesn't have a whole lot to do with knowing how to put flowers into a vase. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm watching our industry in general and kind of wondering, are we setting ourselves up for another battle to get the respect for the artistry that we bring to it? Because we talk a lot about the fun. Right. But we all do know that there's a tremendous amount of work behind it too. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have its place in social media, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know there's this trend to show, show the ugly as well in terms of, you know, or the hard work or the, you know, the stuff that always 
isn't necessarily the prettiest. Right. And so, but even that can sometimes feel contrived, you know, and, and staged. <laughs> yeah. So, sure. uh, so it, it is hard. It's hard to, um, to get past that. So how are you guys handling that? How does that? So I think, in? I mean, for me, I, I learned a while ago that just like too many cat photos on Instagram, <laughs> you know, no one wants to see a, a trash pile on the internet. Um, right but it doesn't mean that they're not there. And so I think that it's learning to just kind of get past that. I think that to be in business for yourself, you sort of have to be optimistic, even if I don't personally identify as a super optimistic person. I mean, and I think for me, I, I try to remember, and I think what keeps us grounded is that it's a tremendous privilege to get to be talented at something and also be able to make you're living doing it. Sure. It's not necessarily a given, no matter how much that's the message that's broadcast. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm su- I'm incredibly grateful for the clients that put their faith in us, that let us work on these important days. And so we sort of stay. It comes back to the customers that it's not really about this not getting likes or people unfollowing because of this if we're making the client happy then again that that's really what matters and the other stuff it's it's more like it's personal and I you know the next I'll go to sleep and I'll be thinking about it and then the next day we'll start something new and and we'll move past it but I think that interviews like with yourself and, and people who are passionate about talking about the creative process in all sorts of ways I think that this is something that we, you know, we've we've been able to make creative businesses a forefront in social media, so we have the attention, and it's time to start talking about them, right? And with you know, with respect to the careers that they are, right? And, and in a real way, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, we talked about this. You know, I I, I tend to I had read through the questions, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, to to make it a business. It's not just finding it creatively fulfilling. If it's just creatively fulfilling and it's not successful, then it's a hobby, not right. a business. Right. And um, and I think that that's really important. That it's and I feel like we've lost hobbies a little bit. Like mm-hmm. everybody who is good at something, like I can needlepoint. I I. I did needlepoint work on all the tablecloths for my own wedding because doing the flowers wasn't enough. But I did not decide that I was going to hand make tablecloths for my career, but I will still do that for a friend or for somebody because I find it relaxing and, and pleasant. So I think that there's an element of the creative industry or even having a passion for something. It a lot of times if you take something you're really passionate about and try to make a business out of it, it's not very satisfying. Mm-hmm. It's work. <laughs> right. It is work. It's no and, longer fun. Well, and I think that's really important to talk about as well because I think so often um, things get shined up really nicely in, um, in even what I'm doing in that, oh, it's, you know, be creative, follow your path, do, you know follow your passions, which again, it's like, maybe don't, (laughs) at least not for a career. If you want to stay passionate about them, right? it it may not be the best choice. Like I am, I don't teach a lot, but I do teach a master class, which is like a short format, two hour topical floral design demo. I teach at flower school now where Mm -hmm. I attended in New York. And, um, I do that because I want to connect with people, but I personally am 
kind of private and I have a hard time letting people into my studio space and, and things like that. So I teach so that I can go talk to other designers and, right. and things like that. But I always say, I, when somebody says, like, oh, I, just, I just love the flowers and I love them, and I'm like, then you should not own the studio. Mm, if you really want to work with the flowers and, and enjoy them, and, and then you should go work for somebody that gets really great jobs so that you will always be able to be immersed in flowers because... Being a business owner is a different experience than being the designer. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really glad you said that because I think uh, so much of my day is not spent doing fun interviews like this. Right. And it, on this road trip, for example, you know, I'm, uh, yes, I'm trying to sightsee along the way because I've never been to some of these cities um, or towns or whatever. And, uh, but the sightseeing takes about two to four hours. And then I'm in a hotel room working for like eight, you know, so, and it's emails and it's drafting questions and, and all of that stuff. And so there's this, it's like the iceberg, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much happening underneath the water that isn't being seen necessarily other than the content is being produced, but all of that work has to happen. And so I think it's really important to talk about all of that stuff happening underneath that people don't realize maybe when they're they're looking to launch a career, uh, some sort of creative endeavor. It's that you may not get to work with the flowers. You might have to be in front of a computer eight hours a day, or at least some days where you're not, you know, you're not doing the thing that you love to do. You're, I don't know, responding to comments on Facebook or (laughs) drafting a blog post. Doing proposals. Doing proposals. Meeting with clients. Meeting with clients. All of those things take an inordinate amount of time when you're a business owner. Yeah, and the, I mean, the, the beauty of it being your own business is you can decide which of those elements appeal to you and which you're good at and which you're not good at, and you can delegate those things if you are being, you know, you're working hard and you're successful enough to have the staff to do that. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily all available to you right at the beginning of right. opening a, a business. Um, and that's something that um, the creative direction of the work that we do is it's incredibly important to me and I buy all the flowers I choose all the flowers I do all the client work I do all the client communication currently I had delegated that at one point about a year ago and I felt that I had become slightly disconnected from the expectation of the client so um, it wasn't intentional that the person that was doing that had had left for to go have a family but um, I decided to take it back and and the time that I had that person was helpful to for me to learn additional delegation response you know how to be a good delegator is really critical especially when it's your name on the business and you want to own everything (laughs) and and kind of hoard it for yourself but um I've had the studio it'll be five years in February and um I would say that I made the most progress in becoming a manager and someone who could delegate in just the last year yeah, so it takes time. It, t- it takes a really long time to learn the things that you're good at. And um, and also, I have figured out so many things in terms of systems and ways to handle things and process and all this fun stuff that, um, you know, comes down to hundreds of post-its on a wall and how do we answer the phone? And we've finally figured some of that stuff out after years of trying. And so... Um, 
I don't have to feel as responsible for some of that stuff and, and having a great team and, and nurturing them and, and letting them show you the things that they're good at too, rather than sure. trying to force them into a role that they may not be fit for is all really integral in, in making any kind of small business work. I, I know that a lot of people start small businesses or businesses for themselves to get away from the corporate culture. Um, but I wasn't one of those people. There are so many elements of my corporate career that I found tremendously helpful bringing in on a smaller scale to what we do. It is, I, I truly miss our IT department. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, uh, it was not fun the first year being the IT department. Right. But, um, you know, I think that that being a successful entrepreneur, no matter the industry, comes down to being passionate about all those things I just talked about. If you don't find all of that stuff fun, then, um, you know, a lot of it is it's very little time spent actually doing the, the flowers. Right. Even though I do tons of the work and I make all the bridal bouquets and everything currently, um, I still do all of that, but I, I spend a lot more time on, on bigger picture things and the client relationship. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so I think that that's definitely something to think about as people consider what they're hoping to get out of a creative career. Absolutely. I'm curious, you talked about, you know, kind of just within the last year, even though you've been in, at this for five years, in the last year you kind of um, figured out your management style. And so I'm, I'm curious about the progression of your, your company. So when, when you first started, was it just you? Yeah, I had an employee okay. from the start. Okay. And that was definitely <clears throat> an expenditure. That was a luxury. Um, it was expensive to sure. hire somebody when I had no sales. Um, but it was the best investment I could have made. I um, especially considering, not that we could have planned for it, but that I got best of Philly six months mm-hmm. after we were actually prepared for when the phone started ringing right. off the hook. We actually had staff and we had already started training a part-time person because we were going into our first fall wedding season, which okay. fall here is primarily a busier, fall in Philadelphia is a busier time for weddings. Okay. At least I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then how did you progress in terms of like how many people you have on staff? How did... So, uh, we've had lots of ups and downs and, um, we had, uh, at one point we had four full-time people on staff and, uh, it was incredibly expensive. Um, some of the corporate ideals I brought into the business were providing health insurance, which was incredibly expensive. It is. And it was a lovely perk and everyone really appreciated it and was very loyal. Uh, and and the business ebbed and flowed in a way that didn't support full-time people. Sure. And that was an incredibly, like, that was kind of a personal blow for me to, like, look at the numbers. That was in around the two and a half years in. And to say, oh, this isn't working. How do I shift this? I care about everyone that works for me. Everybody felt like they were part of something. Um, I got all the buy-in and all the things that you're looking for from like a tremendous staff, but we just couldn't afford it. Um, so, you know, as things tend to work out when you're feeling that way, somebody did move on and we, somebody else then moved on shortly after and we were able to organically kind of restructure the system. So we work primarily, um, with some full-time and part-time staff and then a huge 
inventory of, uh, I guess, an email list of some great freelancers in the area um, who all pursue their own creative endeavors. Um, very few of them actually work in floral. Most of them work in different types of creative retail jobs or have their own businesses and things like that. But um, just people I've worked with, relationships with the staff that I work with are, are equally as important as the relationship with the client. I am kind of a sensitive creative artist underneath the, the business layer sure. and so um, it's important for me to be around people that can handle um, my really deep personal commitment to the work that we do can sometimes be a little intense and it's not always uh, not everybody can handle working for somebody that is so committed to mm -hmm. the work that they do and also so much of the ideas are in my head that I have to be surrounded by people who can kind of get that out of me mm -hmm. And not take it personally. Right. If there's frustration right. on the side of, right. of getting that info. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, it, there's different different management styles and different, you know, different people own businesses for different reasons. And, um, and so I think that's, it's crucial to kind of, like you said, know yourself, but also understand where your employees might be coming from too, to, to get that company culture. I mean, I hate to use that term since it does sound so corporate, but... It matters. It does. It really matters. It was something that I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about that word culture either. And I, I think a lot about it. Um, we're in such a time of community and culture. And, and you know, what did I feel that we were contributing to that? And also, like, does my staff feel like what their future looks like? When you're in a, a small business environment... I still think it's really important for the staff to be able to communicate, like, here's how I want to grow. Here's how I don't want to grow. Mm -hmm. Here's where I see myself. Or, oh, in this role, I don't think I can keep this for longer than two years. And, and you know, figuring out what people are going to be good at and can you adapt the business to keep those people around you. I have had very little turnover in my staff, which I'm super happy about. And uh, it's critical for me that they feel that it's going in a direction that they can be happy with for as long as they're here. And then um, because I did come from a corporate culture and I'm a complete realist about the world and uh, I understand that at some point somebody's life might change and they may not be into being an assistant floral designer for the rest of their lives. Right. And um, I completely get it when people want to move on and, and it's time for something new. So, right. um, and those are all things that I didn't think that I would be great at as as a manager, and I'm pleasantly surprised <laughs> that I handle that kind of stuff really well. Good, so, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to switch gears just sure. a little bit because I always like to ask people sort of when they get stuck, or they're maybe it's a down day, or they're just you know, in need of some inspiration. I'm curious what people do to kind of stay inspired. So what do you do to stay inspired on a day, everyday basis? Um, so I don't pay a lot of attention to other florists, which I think is super helpful. I think that, that FOMO and all of that oh, is sure. a really real thing. Um, so actually it seemed to happen kind of organically, but maybe like a year to two years ago, everybody just stopped following each other. And, um, I tend to follow more, um, fashion industry people. I think that that's really, it's something coming from fashion retail. It's still something that I'm really interested in. 
Um, I also think that that it takes, um, if, if something's happening in contemporary fashion, it usually takes a year or two for it to get into the wedding world. Mm -hmm. Like, a, 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 weddings are not a place that people like to splash out and try a new color. Sure. So, um, so if everybody says the color is this, it will generally take two years for bridesmaids dresses to be, be in that color. That's just oh, my observation okay. coming from retail and now, now working in weddings. But, um, if I have, I have bad days, I, um, sometimes I buy flowers just for myself that mm -hmm. are sometimes in colors or styles that people that order from us regularly are not into. Um, sometimes I make things just to make myself happy and bring it home and let the cats eat it for the weekend. <laughs> um, I take pictures of that. I tend to take those photos. They're, they tend to reflect my mood. It's like slightly more melancholy, but <clears throat> that's also a thing in flowers is mood, moody photos. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I, I have a great husband who is also an entrepreneur and um, is very understanding and, and very supportive of, of where I'm at in my business. He started his record label, he owns a record label called Jade Tree when he was 18 with a partner. Wow. Um, so everyone can figure out how old we are. He's had it for 25 <laughs> years. I'm younger than him. But, um, you know, my husband's had this label for 25 years and has been through many of the phases that I go through. And... Uh, He's there. We, um, we're really passionate about our animals, and we work um, with some local animal rescues. So sometimes oh, we'll do nice. stuff like that. There's definitely nothing wrong on a bad day with going and playing with kittens. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I advocate for that all the time. So, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a puppy person, but yeah, that's cool. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just going. I don't, I don't make a ton of time for my friends, but I've had I've, – I moved to Philadelphia to go to college, and I have lived away from Philly and come back, but I have some really good friends here that have nothing to do with the creative industry, and it's sometimes nice to just go talk to them. Because when you're in your own business, I think that it can be, it's a very isolating life, and it's not stuff that people feel comfortable talking about a lot of times, because we are supposed to project this having it all together all the time thing. And so um, I, I find that I have a few people that I can get out of my head with and, yeah. and, and decompress a little. That's good. I think that's really healthy because you're right. It, it can be all-consuming to, to own your own business, and, and you, it's hard to turn it off you know, and stop thinking about it. So that's a good point to kind of hang on to those people who maybe aren't. Not only that, but it's great if you can keep people in your life that um, – don't use social media yeah. for marketing anything. Or do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's just really nice to be able to have somebody to go have like a cup of coffee or lunch with and tell them about something ridiculous that happened to you that they have no comprehension of because they're not soliciting for anything. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> yes, I know exactly because, what you're saying. I mean, that so much of my communication feels very surface. Mm -hmm. And and that's fine. I don't expect to have deep relationships with the people I'm emailing with or tweeting with or right. things like that. But that keeps me very kind of grounded in what my real life is. And I oftentimes when I see those people, uh, I, I tell myself that I should make more time for that. Yeah. But the cool thing about really good friends is that they understand yeah. when you can't be there for everything. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So I want to talk about... Um, 
Philadelphia a little bit since I am on this road trip and I'm, I, I love talking about the cities that I'm, I'm visiting and kind of hearing more about the creative scene. So can you talk about Philadelphia and why you decided to set up shop here? Sure. Um, well, I came to Philadelphia to go to college. I went to University of the Arts for two years and dropped out to work for Urban Outfitters mm-hmm. when they only had seven stores. Wow. So it was a different company, although, um, and a great education. Um, so many of the talented people in Philadelphia have come from that organization, which is an interesting thing. They foster a lot of talent. I had I had moved around. I lived in Austin, Texas for a little while, and um, Austin didn't offer, I was finally ready to kind of settle into a more corporate retail career and thought that um, Philly had always felt like home. So I moved back here on my own and uh, met my husband. Uh, well, actually, I've known, I had known my husband, but we ran into each other and went on a date. We'd known each other for 10 years at that point. Wow. Went on our first date. And um, we were living here, and it seemed like the natural fit. I have to say, when I started taking floral classes, everyone was like, New York, New York, New York. And I'm from New York. Um, I was born and raised there and uh, Philly was just uh, it was where our home was and no one was doing what I wanted to do here and I think that there in bigger cities certainly there's more customers but it is nice when you can open up in a place where you sort of feel like the only person that's sort of thought of this and I'm no longer the the, the only kind of newer florist in Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, but um, at the time, what I was doing was really different, and um, I had been told by a really sweet florist who had a traditional type of career that I, my work made people in Philadelphia think differently about flowers, which was a really amazing compliment. That is amazing. And um, something that I'm very conscious of, of maintaining five years later. Um, but yeah, Philly, Philly is a, it's a great city. I mean, you're on this road trip. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's in a great location. We are close to lots of stuff Mm -hmm. and, um, it, it's a city of neighborhoods and this is the, the studio that we are in is in the, um, Fishtown, Old Kensington section of the city. Our, this is our second studio. We moved after two years. We were in a neighborhood called Queen Village the first two years that the business was open and we were part of the neighborhood culture, even um, though we are not really a walk-in shop. We never really sold flowers to people that walked in, but um, we're in um, a loft building mm-hmm. with 18 other creative businesses. And uh, besides our famous studio cats, who everyone likes to see in the morning as they come to work, uh, we tend to do cooler cleanouts and leave our free flowers out in the lobby for oh, our neighbors. <laughs> so um, we're very popular in yeah. the building. And um, <clears throat> it's nice to uh, be part of that in Philadelphia. I don't know many other cities that have this kind of small town feel that we have through our different neighborhoods. Yeah. And, and there's South Philly people and Fishtown people and West Philly people. We live in West Philly. So yeah, it's, it's a city of neighborhoods and it's a big city. It is a big city. 
And I love that. I love that you can still kind of almost break it down and, and get down on that, like that level with people. And I love that you clean out your coolers <laughs> and give people free flowers. Oh, it's amazing. Well, so I should clarify, there's a great textile studio across the hall called Print Fresh and their average employee mm. is probably 25 year old female. So that helps. the <laughs> free flower thing is like the greatest thing that ever happened yeah, right. to the building. Right. And it happens during wedding season, it happens more regularly. <laughs> so we're doing it like maybe once a week and everyone is so excited That's for hilarious. the leftover random flowers. So smart. Way to connect <laughs> with your people. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you've already given a lot of advice, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate. So do you have any other career advice for those who might be looking to launch a creative venture? So I think something that we haven't touched on already, which was actually the first thought I had when I had seen this question, um, but uh, relates back to the where I come from with the corporate culture. It's not enough to just be really passionate about what you do. There has to be a need for your business. Yes. So um, I'm sure I'm not alone in the observation that there seems to be literally millions of duplicative businesses on Instagram. Like I know how Instagram suggests users now makes me only see florists because all I post is flowers. Right. But it does feel like everyone's a calligrapher. Everyone everyone is a florist. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a planner. Every, and you know, and so I think that that is the that is sort of the tipping point is it's not enough to just be passionate about something that you do. There has to be a need that you're filling. The reason that my business is successful is in part due to my talent, in part due to the training and the skills that I have, in part due to the mentorship that I had. A big part of it is the luck and the timing of when I opened. But the summary of it is that I opened at a time where I was offering something different. So for me, it's... it's con- sometimes confusing when businesses say I want to do what so-and-so does right it needs to be grounded in something that's yours or it's probably not going to be successful and I know that that's not a thing that gets a lot of space to talk about but to survive to the five-year mark to survive to the two-year mark to make it through your first wedding season things like that you have to find the thing that makes you you I think because I came into the industry with a more corporate background, I this this doesn't occur to me. But for the people out there that I meet that come to classes that have wanted to intern and things like that, it's about finding out who you are. And that comes from your life experiences, not necessarily modeling my career experiences. Right. And I think that personally, I never have actually said this publicly. Because I feel that I don't want to be perceived as negative Nancy or Tommy Downer. Um, But, you know, if you look at a corporate culture, there's a reason that some businesses are successful. And it's it's on ingenuity and innovation and their own ideas. And so I'm concerned as just another entrepreneur in the world. If we have too many businesses out there duplicating what everybody else is doing, we're not innovating. I would welcome the next person in Philadelphia who comes in and changes the perception of flowers as I kind of did for some of the more old school florists mm-hmm. who like me because I didn't come in and do what they were doing. Right. I came in and did what I was thinking that the customers wanted. And so I'm not afraid of competition. I'm afraid of standing still. Yeah. And I, if you're 
doing what has already been documented and it already exists online, you're not moving the industry forward. And that's where the, the danger comes for the, the whole of the creative industry. If it's all the same, why does anyone want to spend any money with you? Right. And then, you know, it's hard to pay your rent if no one wants to spend any money with you. Right. Now, that's a really good point on several levels. I mean, so there, you're right. There are a lot of different factors involved. And so, but when that, that visual representation is what customers see. So I, I had spent a little time thinking about this knowing that we uh-huh. were going to meet. And I, it occurred to me, um, since I, I mentioned that my husband has had a, an independent record label for 25 years. And the reason independent record labels were born is very much the same reason that so many entrepreneurial businesses exist now. At the time, it was next to impossible for these talented bands, the many of them that were friends of ours, uh, they, they couldn't get anywhere. They were only, record labels were interested in, um, oh, I don't know, it was the 90s. Yeah. Fish. Right. Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Um, and there were so many people that, you know, bands that could sell 20,000 records that no one would sign. And so indie labels, which had been around since the, the, the 70s, but um, really gained traction in the 90s through college radio. But so much of their industry was DIY um, because they didn't have social media. They used to take print ads out, buy oh, ads yeah. in magazines. And there were flyers like, on telephone poles and, 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 every, and zines and things mm-hmm. like that. And while I think that it's amazing and there actually is a ton of nostalgia for that time period and um, the music is still great. It's permanently the 90s in my car. Um, (laughs) But uh, what I think we have now is the DIY culture exists, but the ideas are not DIY. The the making it yourself exists, Mm -hmm. but the ideas have already been presented to you through this curated fashion. Mm -hmm. And the difference from from now and then is that they were making the ideas up. And I'm only happy when we're making the ideas up here. Yeah, that's a huge distinction to make. I really think that, and I think a huge part of it has to do with stuff that I couldn't begin to explain, but how Google gives me my feed and how Google gives me my search hits. Or how Instagram suggests users to me. And Pinterest and The all world just things. gets smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And I like to look at, I want to see more of the world. I want to see somebody doing flowers in Asia because China and Japan, China is a huge growing market for floral design. I want to see what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to see what somebody up the street is doing. Right. And so I think that that is. Um, it's interesting, and I think until people are hungry for content that is different and start demanding that from the, I don't know what they are, robots, I assume, yeah. that feed us that stuff, you know, it's, it's going to be a battle. I think I'm slightly older than a lot of my peers, and I think my, my background in the kind of punk, hardcore, DIY, that kind of culture sure. informs a lot of how I think about my business. I, yeah. I feel like I'm in a bubble a lot of times, but I think it's pretty good here. I yeah. I would rather not be being fed my ideas from, you know, some channel. Some algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I, I like getting my info from my clients. I think that that's the, the place to start with the best ideas. That's actually Is, really good advice. You know, for other people in, in any industry, if they have a, an end 
an end user or a client. That's yeah. that's great advice. You know, somebody had told me that they they had a conversation with a, a florist, <clears throat> and this is secondhand, but the gist of it was was disturbing to me. And I I I don't know. This may not be PC enough, but they were talking about how they tell the client what they should do. I was oh. like, oh, that's so interesting. Interesting. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> like, do you know? Like, how do you know what the client should do? Right. It's not your party. You know, some of the time we do projects that, that I they wouldn't be my wedding, but that's okay. It's not my wedding. Right. <laughs> it's my client's You've wedding. already had your wedding. Yeah. I got married already. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that the true success comes from pleasing your client. And sure, is there, when you look back at the photos, could you have tweaked a color or changed a flower? Sure, everyone does that. But success is defined in continuing, in getting the next job, in continuing to be able to do what you're great at and mm-hmm. make a living, not necessarily fulfilling this idea of making this bouquet for yourself. Right. Um, and I think that that probably applies to all sorts of creative industries. Sure. And um, you kind of touched on a couple things, and it's, you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of different people in different industries, and I know a lot of like bloggers, for example, who don't read a lot of blogs anymore because it, it's all, they don't want to be overly informed by one, yeah. another person. Like you said, you, you might not follow all of the florists in Philly, mm-hmm. but you might want to check out what's happening across the pond or right. whatever. I think that it is important to look also at different industries. That's something that I love doing, and that's why I love doing this podcast so much yeah. <laughs> because I love seeing what other industries are doing and it makes, it expands my mind, I swear to God, to think about what a florist is doing or um, a floral designer or I get to interview a graffiti artist in Nashville. Like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Something totally different that's out of, I mean, I couldn't do what you do. Absolutely not. <laughs> and so, um, but but to kind of see how, what inspires you and how you create things, that's, I think that's interesting. And so I'm I'm wondering, do you do you ever look outside at like, like you said, you look at your husband's business a lot and and how that's been structured and and grown and changed over the years. So, do you look at other industries as well to kind of? Absolutely, um, it's interesting. I look a lot at um, <clears throat> I look at a lot of new media. I mm-hmm. tend to read uh, a fair amount of new fashion bloggers, mm-hmm. not regularly and only you know in in downtime and things like that. Um, I love following um i follow a couple of people in food mm-hmm. i am obsessed with chefs and i think if i could compare any potential career trajectory for floral design as a field if we could become the next chefs that would be amazing i see i can see where that and there be. is a lot of parallel yeah. i totally pitch this to every chef that i interact with um there's a lot of parallels in how we choose ingredients and that we're not consuming the product that we make. It's for the pleasure and enjoyment of somebody else. So mm. I think that there are parallels to that. I, I had an um, experience where I got to tell Martha Stewart that. That was pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. She agreed. <laughs> um, she saw sure. the parallel. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that food in particular is just fun to look at mm-hmm. and um it also can be photographed so beautifully. Of course. So I find that um, really, really uh, fun to look at and read. 
And I like everything from like traditional old cookbooks to I like finding cooking shows on TV. I'm particularly fascinated with all the Project Runway type food shows where everybody oh, sure. like competes on themes. Like there's a donut one and a yeah. cupcake one. I like love those. Yeah. Because I tend to think a lot in themes, even if my themes are not zombie. They're right. like, oh, my theme is, you know, there's sometimes an overriding message to sure. a wedding or sure. an event. But, yeah, I, I try not to be online too much. I like art and museums and galleries, and um, I do love fashion. I love fashion magazine. I love magazines. Yeah. Piles of them <laughs> in the studio. I can't say I get to read them a lot. But, um, no, I think that... I, I would agree with looking outside your industry. If I were a blogger, I probably wouldn't want to read a whole bunch of blogs yeah. either. Because then it just contributes to that kind of sea of sameness. Yeah. And also, being outside, I, I'm a city person, mm-hmm. so there's this funny perception that, I don't know, that I'm good at growing plants or that I must have this amazing garden. I have neither of those skill sets. Mm-hmm. But... I like walking around and looking at my city. Um, I especially get a lot of ideas for color and things like that from signage and Mm -hmm. and graphics and and stuff like that. I also have a fair amount of tattoos. Um, So I think the the way that tattoos are often, or at least in in the style of tattooing that I have, um, things are blocked and outlined. And I think that that's interesting. It's kind of similar to how we arrange flowers in thinking about how colors play yeah. together. Um, so things like that. Yeah, um, no, I love that. Music is, is, uh, is really important in our family. <laughs> and we are obviously music snobs of that eye-rolling Portlandia style. <laughs> but it's who we are. Yeah. And, you know, we own it. Yeah, don't apologize for it. <laughs> so... Um, but I think that, I, I think that it, it's, it has very little to do with flowers in terms of like what recharges, but at the same time, shopping for flowers, buying the flowers, choosing the flowers for an event, seeing how something unexpected changes the entire floral color palette and mm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Those are equally exciting. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a fun thing to work with something perishable that is literally different every time you get it because you, flowers are different every week. Every time you order them, they're going to come in differently. So um, that in itself keeps things interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, I really appreciate all of your advice and your time today. So we're just wrapping things up. Mm -hmm. So where is the best place online to find out more about your work? So uh, the website is SullivanOwen.com. Instagram and Twitter are Sullivan underscore Owen. Okay. Um, Also, that's Snapchat, although it's Snapcat in my world. It's (laughs) mostly just the cat. Um, and uh, we're figuring out we may be on um, one of the live broadcasts soon, but uh, we tend to use Sullivan underscore Owen for, okay. for everything. For all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. That was Sullivan, you guys. I loved that she was willing to kind of keep it real with us. So if you want to share your thoughts on one or many of the points we talked about, head on over to Instagram. As she mentioned, you can find her at Sullivan underscore Owen, and I am at Jennifer E. Snyder. Be sure to tag us both so we can join in the conversation. If you are looking to find Sullivan's work, you can visit SullivanOwen.com. And for all of the resources we mentioned in the episode, you'll find them linked up in the show notes at CreatingYourOwnPath.com. I know I always end the show in a similar fashion, but please remember to share this episode if you think your creative friends and colleagues might need to have a listen. 
the best way to show your support for this podcast is by subscribing, leaving reviews and comments, and by simply telling people about it. Your continued support really does mean so much to me, you guys. So thank you for listening, and I will catch you next week.